Hey guys, Trey Llewellyn here for another wonderful episode of Commerce Kings number eight. This is going to be amazing, mainly because I have a guy on here that I met four and a half years ago. It was four and a half years ago at an event named Garrett J. White. And it's pretty amazing how our, my life has changed, how his life has changed, and the abundance around us. So I just want to start off and just say, welcome, Garrett. Welcome to have you. Uh, I think you kind of pretty much hit it on. Like we got some really nice studios going on. So if there's anything that yeah. they took away, it's the beauty behind what the scenes. Like I need to get what you got. Some Sony cameras. Like that's some amazing stuff. Yeah, it's like, pretty you clear. Like, like you, movie esque. Yeah, like it makes you look really fit. It looks like your beard's really trimmed. Like it's amazing what it's doing. <laughs> it's like that's what HD does. So like if you got <laughs> your face, it's like a download. You know, you got a, a scratch or you forget to shave and you got like the random hair that's poking up right here. And everyone's like, nice, dude, way to shave today. I was like, well, hey, nice asshole. Thank you for all the HD cameras. There you yeah. go. I love it. So I want to tell my story about how we met. And then I want to get into just about you. So real quick, I was at, I was taken to an event or I was told I need to go meet this guy named Garrett. I don't even know if you know the story, but I, was, I met this, uh, this author who, is, who introduced me to Sean Lynham. Lionel was like, this Garrett White's doing some crazy stuff. He made me, he made me cry on a beach, and it, and, it, and it opened my world, and I've never been the same. I was like, all right, I got to meet this guy. Go to TNC, and I remember texting you, and you were very, like, vague in your texts. Like, you wouldn't text me. Like, it was an awful girlfriend. Like, you wouldn't text me for two hours, and they'd be like, oh, yeah, it's cool. We're going to go CrossFit, Jimmy. You, you down? And I was like, whatever this guy does, I'm there. And so we did CrossFit. Right. In the morning. You remember this? Yeah. I'm remembering it now, yeah. Yeah, you CrossFit. And it was cool because I showed up early, you got there, and you're like, and I was like, all right, this is the Garrett guy. Like, this is the guy I was supposed to meet. Like, the world is, you know, working in my favor. And it was cool because what was nice about it is you, you um, rallied me on. You know, you were in the gym. I don't know if you know this, but, like, you were, you were in the background. You were behind me, and you were, you were cheering me on, and you didn't even know me. And that was pretty cool. And I was like, this guy, this guy right here. So that's how you, you and I kind of met and you were doing some really cool things. And I've followed you tremendously through all the stuff that you're learning and that you're producing and pushing through. And it's been an inspiration. Like, it's like, all right, got to keep up Garrett. Got to keep up Garrett. Like Garrett's, Garrett's doing some amazing stuff. So dude, what is, tell us your story. Tell us, I want to know, I just want to know what's, what happened in those three years? Well, here, dude, here's the thing. Is, here's the thing is crazy. Like I'm remembering the very... I'm remembering all of the CrossFit workout. By the way, I was like super on fire. I and mean, the CrossFit was like workout cocaine for me at the time. Like I loved it. I still do a lot of CrossFit style. I actually just surf most of the time every day now because we live right down the beach here in Orange County. But mm. when, I first, when you and I first met, I lived in Gilbert, Arizona. And I had been to Gilbert, Arizona because we had moved away from Salt Lake City, Utah, where my wife and I lived. And 2009, 10, 11 was this like super chaotic time for me. My life had completely fucking fallen apart. Mm. I had no money. I had no direction. I had no purpose. I didn't know where the hell I was going. And I was trying to create a bunch of stuff after eight years of success in business and then this dark place. And it was coming out of that place that I was, I actually had met you was during a place where you and I both were trying to figure out, okay, what exactly, what exactly are we going to do? Like, not that we were getting together and having a mastermind together. What are we going to do? We were just both in the same energetic place, which was, I'm coming out of this thing and I don't know what my next thing is. And maybe if you're watching this, you can experience this. You might be in that place. You might be about to head to the pit. You're in the pit or you've gotten out of the pit and you can relate to this. 
that's where I was. Trey at the time was talking about some $97 social media DVD. I didn't know shit really about social media at the time. And Trey was like doing the marketing thing with some like, I think it was realtors. Wasn't it like realtors? You were doing stuff for realtors, right? That was, that was, my, that was my first pivot, yeah. I remember being on my cell phone in the backyard of my house in Gilbert, Arizona. We had moved to Gilbert to hide because I was tired. We had, I left the church that I was raised in. I was raised Catholic Mormon, which is a weird blend. My wife, we lived in Utah. We left, like I, I had just burned everything. I said, I'm out, 2009. So when we moved in 2011 to Arizona, I was there to hide out. I lived in a neighborhood where, I mean, right across the street was like NASCAR garage. Dudes would sit in a driveway, drink Coors Light, you know, on the weekends. Like that was like the whole, my neighborhood was a totally different environment than I'd ever experienced. No entrepreneurs, very different, but we went there on purpose to hide because I just wanted space to figure out what the fuck we were going to do as individuals and a couple. So I'm standing in the backyard, walking around my back, small little backyard, had a small little pool in a small little backyard. And I'm walking around this backyard talking to you. I remember this conversation like it was yesterday. And it was funny because I'm trying to like, give you some guidance. You're trying to like give me some guidance. We're kind of back and forth. And then I don't remember really doing a whole lot except for the fact that we kind of both disappeared into our own worlds. And we were committed. Yet there was a ton of people I knew at that time, just like you and I stuck back in two. This was 2012. Mm-hmm. 2012 that you're having this conversation with me it wasn't even 13 we were in 2012 this had happened and now it's 2017 shitloads of people shitloads of people have had the same opportunities that you have and i have like i've been like completely just like i am inspired to watch what you built because i knew where you were i'm just that people look at you now like oh you built all this big shit and, da, 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 and trey's <laughs> awesome and he's you know he's got this huge cock and he's amazing Right, I <laughs> like all this shit to China, and like he owns e-com, and I, dude, I feel the same. I'm like, dude, Trey's fucking killing. Me. I've sent like a bunch of people to you too, because I'm like, dude, he's the guy. I'm not the guy on that. No way. That's your guy when it comes to that. But there's a commitment level that maybe you can speak to for yourself. Like, there's just a commitment. Like, I was committed. You were committed. I was committed. There were very few people that were actually committed, committed to figuring it out and finding their way. And that's all. That's all that really the difference between me. You and I and most people who may even be watching this, this podcast who are experiencing it are wondering, why am I not getting the shit done that I want to get done? Why am I not getting the results that I want? And maybe the problem is you're just not committed. It's not that you're not lazy. You're just not committed to finding the way. So that's, I mean, that, that's where it started for me was commitment. I, dude, I'm like laughing my ass off because emotionally I'm remembering how hot it was that day. I'm remembering walking in the backyard. I don't even remember what happened after that conversation. You were, you were telling, I was taking notes as fast as I could. I should have recorded the call. I probably did and I don't have the recording, but you were, you were rattling stuff off of how to um, get clients. I was asking you how to close clients. You were speaking at an event. That's what it was. That's what it was. That you were going to do and I was helping you get your mind ready to speak from stage with your DVD upsell to a console. Oh shit. That's right. I remember that. Okay. All right, you didn't give sure. me at all, though. You wouldn't give me at all. You're like, all right, here's secret number one. But I got to let you go because I got to walk around my backyard. And, I, and but, but I might let you call me back for secret number two. So I, le- I was like, like, you left me half empty. And I was like, he gave me some good stuff. Like, it was really good. But he said there was two more steps. And I don't know the other two steps. I'm screwed. And so I do remember that. That was amazing. But look, look what happened. Like, it's true. So how did you, how did you figure out that it took commitment? What everyone around me wasn't committed. Like everyone around me, like I would go to masterminds. I would go to business masterminds. A lot of them you were part of too. I was investing tens of thousands of dollars per mentor. 
I was joining every mastermind I could find. I took 80% of the money that I made and I doubled down in education and investment because I knew I was, I knew I was stupid. Like I wasn't smart enough to solve my own problems. Like I was very clear about that. So what I was committed to was becoming smart enough to solve my own problems. And my problems really came in a game of understanding direct response marketing online, understanding modern sales sequences funnels, and, and, and ultimate systems that allow for a person to convert and sell themselves without me having to be there. And the third person was just being able to ultimately message and position and package messaging today. I didn't know how to do any of that shit. Like, I didn't come from that world. In my banking worlds, we didn't do that. We belly to belly. It was a very different environment. I didn't know how, but I knew I wanted to do it, and so I just made a decision. And that wasn't a one-time decision. It was like an over and over and over decision. Every day I had to wake up and make the same decision again. Okay, am I committed today? Right, you didn't learn funnels, and you didn't learn technology. You didn't learn how to sell the way that you do right now in e-commerce because the path was just given to you. You know, a lot of people are joining programs and might be watching these podcasts or experiencing or expecting to get some A to Z roadmap. It's always going to be the same. It's always going to be predictable and it's always going to work. And that's just not how it goes because when you put a human being into a relationship with a system, the system changes based upon the dynamics of who that human being is. Mm-hmm. Right? So I was just, I would like, I, I, ha- I felt like I didn't have any other choice. And so at least that was a condition I created in my mind. It's like, I'm going to fucking figure this out. And when I figure it out, I'm going to keep figuring it out. Like right now, I still don't feel like we figured it out. Like I feel like we figured some things out, but I don't feel like we figured it out. Yet from the time that I saw you till now, like Wicca Boy's has done just under $30 million. And yet my mind says, okay, shit, we've done some things. Yet when you talk to anyone on my team, no one in my entire organization in any of my businesses right now, any of the four businesses, no one thinks we've actually done anything. Because every day we wake up, we're like, shit, we got to do, we got to figure this out. We got to figure this out. We got to figure it. So the second piece with commitment is we're committed to solving problems. Mm. I, I fell in love with the idea of problem solving. Yep. And that was my number one commitment was that I will become an elite level problem solver in the game of messaging and selling online. I think like I knew belly belly, that was it. Go ahead. That was huge. Uh, I, I, I relate to that uh, because I, I uh, went through engineering school. And the one thing that I talk about a lot, actually, is the one thing I learned from engineering school was how to problem solve. That's the one thing I learned really, really well is that they didn't teach me how to put a circuit together. They didn't teach me how to do a mathematical equation. They taught me how to problem solve. And I think that's why I can see funnels so well in my mind because I, most people start with, okay, sales page, then what? Order form page. I see the whole thing and then I can interact uh, through it. And then at, like, it kind of just builds and it be kind of like uh, your producer, right? The guy who's behind the camera putting the movie together. He's seeing sound clips in his mind and he's piecing it together in his mind. And that, that's why you have such great trailers and videos and productions because he is like, puts all there. It's like, boom, like it's amazing, right? Same thing with programs. You see the whole program and they're like, okay, this is going to hit this over here. And then you make this thing called warrior and it becomes a beautiful thing. And it's, it's amazing. So I totally, uh, you're speaking my language right there. Problem solving is where the key. Like I didn't have, I didn't have the engineering thought process. I had a story. Like mm-hmm. I wasn't, like my mind didn't actually think that way. So in 2009, I hired Brendan Bouchard. Well, I don't hire Brendan Bouchard. I, I go by his program experts Academy. I go to his event. And he says, you need a four-part video funnel. 
And I, I mean, I don't know how many times he had to tell me this. I mean, it's not like Russell, even in ClickFunnels, is like teaching anything. He's like, you need a four-part video funnel. So I built like 17 of these things. I would buy reams of paper and a black Sharpie marker. And I used a black Sharpie marker because I'd listened to a book called Rework. And they said, when you draw shit out, you should use a Sharpie because then you can't put as much shit on a piece of paper, which means, oh, exactly. Oh. So I'm using a thick piece marker. And I would sit on the couch at home with a ream of paper and I would draw funnels. I would draw sequences online, like literally over and over and over. I would make the little emails and make them look like little letters and I would do dotted lines and I would do sequences and then I would crinkle it all up and throw it on the floor. And then I would start over and my wife's like, you were out of your goddamn mind. What are you doing? I was like, I cannot think. I just, I think I know. Like I, I became addicted to just drawing sequences. Because I did what you just nailed, which I don't think anyone's ever really clarified for me why it makes sense to me. But I, I trained my brain to operate like an engineer. Mm-hmm. So like what you're talking about, the reason our movies, the reason our sequences at Warrior, the reason the stuff inside of DKW Styling, our tattooing, hairlines, the reason it all works is because when we as a team come in, we not only come in with a direct response mindset, which is we have a specific outcome that we're wanting, but... I'm realizing right now, I trained myself over three and a half years to think like an engineer, even though my personality is the complete fucking opposite. I don't want to look at details. My natural core is like, fuck details, fuck science, fuck sequences. I'm just going to yell really loud, and I think we'll get everybody excited. We'll go do some shit. <laughs> and why Warrior took off was because I was willing to dive into my weakness and understand what this allowed me to do too is speak a language that allowed me to hire people who I could train on direct response and I could train on the mindset and psychology of where I wanted the movement to go. But I also had enough skill set inside of my language to cross the line. I just, before this, I was on my software teams. I'm not a software guy, but I run a software company. And inside of all my software programmers and my teams, I speak code, even though I don't code. Like, I speak the engineering game you're talking about, and I can help them problem solve inside of software, and they're the fucking experts because of the fact that I committed to that. And most of the people watching this podcast, they want to hire you, Trey, to just build it all for them. The problem is you build it all for them. Even if you do it for them, they're going to fuck it up because they don't understand. They're going to pull one spring out of the sequence. Well, I didn't think that was needed. You're like, dumbass. You literally just killed the entire sequence. Because yeah. you pulled that one thing out. Why are you touching that thing? Quit touching that thing. You're like, I don't know. I thought it, it looked ugly. Fuck you thinking it looks ugly. You don't know what you're doing. So that was me. But I had to become like kind of you, Trey. Like, because you were already smarter than me in that. I was not that smart. I had to force my pe- – you had a degree in engineering. I had a degree in kickball. Yeah. <laughs> I have a PE degree, bro. The easiest degree in college outside of like home economics which would be like, you know, like human sciences or like cooking in the kitchen or something. Oh, yeah, that's, a, that's amazing. So, yeah, I don't even know if anybody knows that. You're a PE, PE coach. Yeah. Turned into, well, you did loans, loan officer? Yeah, I was in mortgage banking and insurance banking. real estate for like eight years, eight and a half years before the big dip for me in mm-hmm. 2008, 9, 10, 11 when I was in the dark place. I want to I hit on the, the four video part series. That's a really, I'm glad you tipped that. Uh, so why, and I'm asking this as an outsider, so why, why Garrett, would you, and by the way, you're the only one who I've ever seen do it. So congrats for that. It's actually implementing it. 
So you can tell all the secrets because probably no one will ever do it again, but because it's amazing. But it's like, why would you make people go through four videos of hour long videos before you have them opt into each page? It seems like you would um, miss out on some money, but for some reason you made 30 million by doing it. So how's that work? So everybody, we, we live in a society of instant gratification. So people want to click and buy. And so I can understand that. We want to click and buy, click and buy, click and buy. I battle with all my stylists and all our salons with this all the time. Cause like Instagram, Instagram, Instagram. So when I give them like real strategy makes real money, they're like, Oh no, that's not going to work. I would never do that. I was like, bullshit. You would, you just, we're not interested in the thumb flippers. We're interested in the people who pull out credit cards. I want buyers. I don't need to feel popular. So the first distinction was I had to get over the idea that I needed to be popular mm. and I needed to focus myself and my teams on getting paid. Either I was going to be profitable or I was going to be popular. And I found out very quickly that most people that are very popular inside of popular strategies or popular social media game, they're in the same fucking cul-de-sac they've been in since Trey, you and I first met back in 2012. They're still doing the same shit, hustling the same bullshit on Facebook, hustling the same fucking bullshit everywhere. It's the same shit. You're like, dude, you're literally, you suck now as much as you sucked in 2012. <laughs> we sucked like you did in 2012, but you still suck. You suck as much as you did five years ago. Because why? Because they all are looking for the easy thing. I'm going to post a thing on Facebook and then somebody private message me, please. Send yeah. me a private message. Where you and I, we didn't see that. I didn't want to fucking Facebook hustle. I didn't want to do the thing like everybody else did. I didn't want to be stuck in the cesspool of insanity on social media. So I, I followed what Brendan was talking about. Well, most people wouldn't in our group. Almost no one would. Everybody would talk about it and like masturbate themselves together mentally. Oh, right, 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 right. here's all the 27 reasons why it won't work. And I was like, I'm just going to do it. So we started looking for buyers. And what we found was it didn't really matter how long a piece of content was. And it didn't matter how many loops you went through, but you measured that off of how much the value was at the end on the offer. So if I was selling something that's $29, it might be a very different timeline. I might have a series of two or three two-minute videos. But if I'm selling a $25,000 or a $10,000, and in my case, our ticket to Warrior Week is ten dollars even though our books, our books are $100, and we require a person to go through an hour-long movie. And here's why. Because I was interested in buyers who wanted to buy. I wasn't interested in sales. I was interested in buyers who wanted to buy. In the beginning, this was not popular. They're like, oh, the videos are too long. You're talking too much, blah, blah, blah. According to science and direct response marketing, you need 18.3 minutes and the video itself has to have some words on the screen. And, yeah, da, 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 da. and all the engineers would tell me why it wasn't going to fucking work. And I was like, I hear you, but I'm not that smart. So I'm not going to pretend like I can be that smart. What I'm going to do is I'm going to talk into a camera and I'm just going to be fucking crazy. And we'll see what happens. And in the beginning, it sucked. And then it started getting better. And I started realizing that some of the engineering science was necessary. And then we started merging them together. And now what it builds is demand. The example I give is like you go to Vegas to a really popular club on New Year's. And you're going to see a line out the door forever, for days, because some DJ is there. And you would think in your mind, holy shit, everybody inside the club is having a good time. And I'm stuck out here. Yet the truth is 98% of the people are out in the hallway. All the hotties with bodies are standing around the front door because why? Because we're trying to build demand for the bot. Because once you get in there, regardless of what I ask you for at the gate, that's $500 to come in, sir, on New Year's Eve. You're like, what? You're like, hey, I don't even give a shit. I want to be in there. <laughs> well, I wanted to build businesses where people wanted to come. Mm -hmm. Like they wanted to buy. They would say thank you, not immediately charge back. 
or say thank I didn't want chargeback issues. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't want it for me. I mean, it's not that we don't get chargebacks, but I just didn't want it. So when we built the four-bar funnel, it was about converting someone and eliminating buyer's remorse. And even when we're selling smaller things like a couple hundred dollar items, I still do the same thing now because I want people to lean into the buy. I want them to want to buy. Mm -hmm. I want them in their heart to say, I really want this shit. Like this guy has seduced me so intensely. He keeps pulling it away and pulling it away and pulling it away and pulling it away. And God damn it. Can I please give you some money? Every day we get hundreds of emails that say, can I please give you some money? These are people who we lock things down. We shut it down. Can't buy. It's not available. But we actually follow through with what we say which is you can't buy right now. Sorry, but you can get on this list. And when we are going to sell it again, we would be happy to sell it to you. But until then, here's some other things you can watch. By the time the average consumer has purchased something from Wake Up Warrior, from DKW Styling, or from my consulting firm, by the time they signed it, whether it's a quarter million dollar contract or whether it's a hundred dollar book, that individual has already leaned in. They've already made the buying decision in their mind. Now, I'm not a hardcore closer. People say, oh, I'm a hardcore closer. I know our buddy Ryan Stuman has an entire brand built around that. Not a knock on Ryan Stuman at all. But I, I wanted to be, I wanted to talk to people who wanted to buy. Yeah. I wanted people to be pumped up and send us thank you cards because they just bought a $100 book from us. Mm-hmm. Not the opposite, which is like, oh, it's a piece of shit, blah, 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 blah. Now, I, I don't even know if that answered your question. I hope, hopefully, at least some of them. It did. It did. So the thing, the, I think, I think it's an amazing thing because you've come so far, but the, what you have in your background is not uh, spray paint. No, but it used to be. Yeah. It used to be spray paint. Lots of cans of spray paint. Fluorescent, by the way. Fluorescent, <laughs> fluorescent cans of spray paint. <laughs> yeah. And what's cool about that though is dude, you didn't stop. You didn't no. stop, you know, and you actually, you actually still share those videos to this day. And you'll post them to your Facebook. And I don't know if you're just like reminiscing through those times, but in, in you, you see yourself in those because you, you remember who you were and who you've become. And it's just so like, I'm just reflecting on it because it's so amazing. And you guys should go see like what I'm talking about, like go follow Garrett. And because uh, it's an amazing. So are you still doing the podcast? Uh, that's still rocking. So I think it was interesting how you said like, you didn't care about becoming popular anymore. So did you start the podcast in that realm of like, I want to become popular, but then you did become popular because the podcast kind of blew up, I think, like being number one on a, on a, on a religious channel of all things. Yeah, we were, like a, we were like the knife salesman at a waterbed convention. <laughs> yeah, we, we deliberately put my podcast, which was the only explicit lyrics podcast, in the Christianity and religion sections in iTunes when we deployed. So I was competing against, um, um, oh shit, Joel Osteen and all these guys for number one. Now we only held number one for about three weeks, four weeks or something. And it started a complete revolt. You can go to my podcast and iTunes. You can see all the shit talking going on from churches that had actually been like, oh my God, the guy's the devil. Why is he in here? We deliberately went there though to share the message because we also knew there was a big undercurrent with men who had come from different religious backgrounds and or who were still actively very religious who would resonate with the message. So we didn't go after the people who want to preach and sing on Sunday. We were going after the guys that sitting in church and going, I'm really trying to figure out what the fuck I'm sitting here for. And that was our market. And so we went to where they might be going. But ultimately, I launched a podcast, two reasons. One, because I wanted to share the message. Two, because I wanted to get leads. And I knew that I needed to do something consistent. When I launched a podcast, we got all technical. I spent tens of thousands of dollars, bought the microphones, did the whole thing. And I realized I couldn't do it like that. 
like coming in at nine o'clock on a Sunday, trying to do the Sunday sermon, which is how mm. the Fire podcast started. It wasn't working. So I sat there one day, I was like, I wonder what happened if I just yelled in my phone because people seem to like it when I yell and they like it when I yell and tell stories and then I make it relevant to something. I wonder if I just like did that for my cell phone every day. Like if I just literally like just woke up in the morning, I did something, I said, here's a cool thing that happened to me today. Here's a fun story around it. Here's a lesson that I learned and here's how that shit might apply to your core four body being balanced business and living the warrior's way. Thank you very much. 500 and let's see, today I just did, let's see, this is number just recorded. I record these all my voice notes. I have a whole system and team that help me with it and get it deployed every single day. Now we're on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and you can get action guides. We have you know tens of thousands of people to get action guides from us every single day via email at warrioronfire.com. But I mean, today, I mean, you can't really see that. I just did episode 535 today. 10 minutes, 535 episodes. Average person does a podcast, starts a podcast. They do about 35, 45 episodes. The super producers do about 120, 130, and then everybody fades into the distance. Mm-hmm. People thought I quit on my, I didn't quit on my podcast. I deliberately pulled my podcast off the marketplace for five months so we could sell Warrior Book last year. That was a strategy, which is I actually pulled my voice from the marketplace. So everybody's like, oh my God. And all these people were listening every day were addicted. Like, oh my God. I was like, don't worry. I got a new thing coming for you. It's called Warrior Book. You're going to really want it. And then I'm going to start the podcast again after we deploy. So we went back to the podcast and, I just, I wake up, it became part of my routine. Like just like every, like turning marketing into an addiction, it it became who I was and messaging marketing was who I became. It's not what I do. And most people are trying to do marketing. Most people are trying to do funnels. Most people are trying to do sequences or trying to do direct response. But until it becomes who you are, like it is for you, Trey, you don't have to force yourself to think. You just are in the space and you're like, holy shit, there are holes all over this goddamn funnel. No wonder you guys aren't making any money. And they're like, what? You said what? And you're like, plug, 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 reframe, reframe. Oh, magically delicious. It's making money. Well, that's because you are the matrix and I have become the matrix in my version mm-hmm. and producing. And most people are not committed to becoming it. You were committed. I was committed. And a handful of people have been committed. Most people are not committed. They're more committed to watching podcasts from committed people than they are actually doing and becoming the person in the podcast. I think uh, one person said it really well. It's easier to buy tickets to the game than train for the game. Oh, 100%. Way way easier to buy a ticket than the Conor McGregor game sitting or fight this weekend sitting on 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 the floor for 60 grand than it is to actually be a guy who can make the kind of money consistently that could easily afford the $60,000 ticket. Yeah. People are very excited. Oh, this asshole, blah, blah, blah. You're like, dude, listen, Conor McGregor made a hundred million dollars, not because he's a great fighter. Like Mayweather and those guys put on this fight, not because they're great fighters. They are great fighters. That's not why they're making them. They're making the money because they are promoting marketing, direct response, entertaining, deliberate fucking money men. The end. And they happen to be fighters. So. And they have to be fighters, which is amazing. So on that note, I want to switch behind the scenes because I have three major questions I want to ask. And yeah. then the, thir- the, the fourth is I want to I discuss something with you that um, you rarely discuss with others. And cool. so, guys, we're going to go behind the scenes of Commerce Kings. If you want access to that, you need to go to MrOnIt.com forward slash VIP. That's MrOnIt.com forward slash VIP. And we're going to go to behind the scenes now. Thanks for watching. Look forward to seeing you guys on the next episode. Oh, real quick. 
How do they follow you, Garrett? Please. Oh, 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 yeah, look at that. Here I'm talking about I'm such a great promoter, and then I don't even get it in there. Uh, you know what? Probably the best place you could start is getting into my daily podcast found at warrioronfire.com. You can go there, pick up the weekly action guides, put your email address, and we'll send those to you every week. Or just head on over to iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher and uh, get yourself subscribed every single day. I'm going to drop a little fire in your soul, and uh, it gives you what you like. And you like it, keep listening every day. If you don't, tell me to fuck off, and I'm okay with that too. <laughs> All right. Thanks. <laughs>